The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mini Kime Show featuring Lenny, only NFL podcast, where one of the hosts thinks PPR is what you do to a fire hydrant. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I made it to the finals. Considering, all things considered, it's... I assume that you just thought of that one second before that, because yeah. you were busy Christmasing, but uh, nice job. I thought of it because I was looking at uh, the results in my league with Danny Kelly and Nate Tice, both of whom have been on this podcast. I beat Danny Kelly, advanced to the finals where I will face off with <laughs> Nate Tice. Uh, nobody cares. Terrible way for me to start my <laughs> podcast. We're here to talk football. We're here to talk Ravens, Niners. We're here to talk Chiefs, Dolphins, a whole bunch of things. But we're going to start with last night's game. You and I texted a little bit afterwards. Um, Yeah, gosh, I'll I'll start here. I think the real winner is the ref who caused the safety. Because imagine (laughs) if this had been a close game. uh, Uh, Yeah, We didn't even, we watched on Get Up this morning, we showed that highlight, the highlight of the game multiple times, obviously. But we didn't show the ref thing until the very last segment where we just like look for some funny out. And I was like, oh, yeah. That happened. I mean, it, imagine if they had lost by like one point. Oh that w- <laughs> yeah, arguing with my family members where they like are like trying to defend Lamar and like, hey guys, refs part of the field. I felt like a, an old football guy is such a dumb thing to say. I didn't yeah. want to be the guy, you know, like you don't want to be the guy explaining things all the time because yeah. especially when you like work in this industry, you seem like kind of a jerk. But I was like, refs part of the field. Please just be quiet. Part of the field. Uh. It did not matter because the Ravens beat down the oh. Niners. The Ravens have now beaten down the Niners, the Lions, the Seahawks, uh, the Browns, although then they lost the Browns. But point stands, the Ravens are the best team in the NFL. They win that crown. If this was the CFP, they would be the easy number one seed because of the strength of their resume <laughs> and their wins. Um, let's start with, I, I guess you and I talked about this game quite a bit. I think what's so, well, it's not shocking to me because I I had put together like keys for a Ravens upset. And one of those keys uh, involved Baltimore running the ball against a sus Niners run defense, but they didn't run the ball well in this game. And it didn't matter uh, in part because of game script, but it was kind of fascinating the way it played out, Dominique. I mean, so much of it occurred because of the turnovers I think especially on the defensive side of the ball what was your biggest takeaway what was the thing that surprised you the most coming out of this game well, the thing that surprised me the most was we didn't learn anything <laughs> I, I thought this was like a big game mm. and we'll learn something out of this game wow. I don't really feel that that different about either team coming out of this um the Ravens mm-hmm. are the most undefeated three loss team in the history of professional sports uh <laughs> Which it'd be interesting. How do we be talking about them? Had they not given away the three games that they were in, we'd be talking about them more like a, a juggernaut. Um, because again, the games that they lost were games they had in hand. And maybe you could argue that some of the games they won could have gone the other way also. So maybe they aren't as good as undefeated suggests. But I was thinking, can the Ravens stop this 49ers running attack? And by the end of the game, in my head, I was like, yeah, maybe we learned that. Then I went back and watched the game. Yeah. It's like, no. They ran the ball and then yeah. and then they got away. So I guess maybe we learned that they can't stop the running attack. I don't know what they would have done if the running attack was actually killing them. And so then the other question that I guess we big question coming into this thing was like Lamar Jackson's accuracy going to be a problem. Yeah, it was a problem, but he's also really good. So it didn't matter over the course of the long haul. Then I'm thinking um, Brock Purdy. What is Brock Purdy going to do when he's down? What is Brock Purdy going to do when he doesn't have the two, uh, the double threat of being able to run or pass? What are we going to see out of Brock Purdy? And I wanted to say, like, yeah, that happened again. However, like, it's also one interception definitely on Brock. Three other ones you could argue are... I mean, it's a bad decision to force it in that one time. He got his arm hit. It's nothing you can do about that. And then there's a ridiculous play by Stevens to tip the ball in the air. And so I guess 
I did not walk away from this saying that I learned that Brock Purdy sucks in those situations. Right. So that's what I was, that's the point I was making is like, again, this game was fluky in a way, game scrippy in a way that I felt like when I closed the chapter on rewatching the tape, that I don't feel like I know much more that 49ers D lines, not good. Anyway, I'll be quiet. It is your show. I, I think we learned a couple of things. About let's talk about the Niners offense versus the Ravens defense before we get to the Lamar of it all. Um, one, they really need Trent Williams to be healthy. <laughs> I think okay. that is no, no, no. I know we knew that, but that's, that's not something um, we learned though, right? I was actually surprised, but like uh even when I mean the night the Ravens, okay, I'll get to this the other thing I think we learned about them and Brock in a second, but um you really saw like they they straight up won a lot with the pass rush against this offensive yeah. line not just smoke and mirror stuff although the smoke and mirror stuff was very significant but um just when it when they just lined up four and rushed especially when Williams went out it I, I was watching it thinking like oh they are the more physical team in the line of scrimmage right now and that's a, the Niners offensive line is the most fragile part of the team. And I think, we, yes, we knew that we saw that in the games without Trent Williams, but it was very, very clear in this one. Um, and that, that is if the Niners have, I think I said the um, last week, the thermal exhaust port in their death star might be that offensive line because Trent Williams is holding that thing together. Like the Cheeto in that one meme with the door, you know, there's a reason why they always run behind him. You know, it's, it's glaring. So he, um, both him and Purdy got hurt. Purdy had a stinger. I think they said that he could have gone back in. They didn't put it back right. in because it was a beat down in the offensive line. The Williams thing though is concerning Trent Williams. We'll get updates on his injury status just because he's been injured and he's older, you know? So it's like right. that to me, it's like, Oh, that's the player they cannot afford to lose on this team. Um, the other thing though, I think that is notable, uh, about this particular matchup is I was very curious to see how Purdy would do with all of the games that the Ravens play. We've talked about a lot, the simulated pressures, the threat of the blitz guys dropping out, sometimes bringing the blitz Dominic, not well, he didn't do well with it. Uh, and I do think that is actually a pretty meaningful takeaway as we think about how these teams match up, how they might match up in the future, because I agree with you. The Niners could have ran. I think they probably, if some of the going away from the run had to do with game script, but I think if Kyle Shanahan plays this game, they just, they run way more in the first quarter, first two quarters. Um, We're not really talking about that many downs, to be honest, again, because of the turnovers and how fluky stuff got, but they can absolutely run on this team. Some of that's by design because the Ravens play so much zone, so much quarters. Uh, They, they, you know, they give you opportunities to run the ball, but I do think it's something we've seen other teams. The Rams recently come to mind due to this Ravens defense. However, the games they were playing up front, he was really shook early on against pressure. You talked about the interceptions and, and I, you know, there certainly weren't all his fault. The first one was just quarters, red zone, Kyle Hamilton. He should have seen him. The, the one where I kind of went when we were talking, the, that comes to mind (laughs) is, uh, the, the Kyle Hamilton where he got blocked, fell down and then Uh got it. And then it was Purdy throwing against his body, trying to make something happen. So the reason why I think that it's on Purdy, but it's also meaningful is that was that run, that play to me really encapsulated this side of the ball. The Niner, the Ravens had six guys on the line of scrimmage. Kamala Hamilton lurking on the left side. Both linebackers were on line of scrimmage. Drop out. Purdy looks to that side. Linebackers drop out. Hamilton, you want to throw in the direction of Hamilton, but he's he's looking here first. Mm-hmm. Hamilton takes McCaffrey out because you got to use him in pass row. He falls down, so he can't leak out as the outlet. Suddenly it's absolute Brock, you know, starts panicking and like scrambles to the right and then makes a crazy play. My point is that it, that was to me like a really good example of how everything the Ravens were doing up front was clearly messing with his head and ultimately leading to some of the bad decisions we saw him make in this game. Yeah, and it was messing with not just Purdy's head, but it was the offense altogether because um, they call if they call the protection the right way, given how many were coming, um, McCaffrey didn't have to stay in, which then becomes a more dangerous proposition. 
or they allow McCaffrey to block him, block uh, Hamilton one on one and not end up with a chop block, which made that play right. even uglier. I saw Patrick Queen beat McCaffrey on a different situation uh, yeah. later in the game. And that's not why he's there. Like, I honestly, I don't um, I don't know if Christian McCaffrey is a good pass protector. I assume he's solid, but I know that if he is in pass protection, that's you a done win. did something wrong. <laughs> that's a that win is, for the, yeah, off the defense. Yeah. yeah. Even if he, even if he's a great pass protector, like if I can go one for one, which is essentially what you're doing and keep him in protection, then you're doing a good job. And that's where the, a lot of the simulated pressures are, or they're, they're real pressures, but they're shows to, to the opposite side. Yes. And that's you get four guys on two right. pass rushers in that play. And then they have to either uh it felt as though they did not have uh an answer for that and it's funny because I feel like a couple weeks ago it felt or no not a couple weeks ago last week I said that the um 49ers had answers for the blitz built into their plays and it would have seemed that McDonald saw this and was like all right well you can't answer this. And so when they see four to one side their answer is to um fan the protection that direction if the blitz is coming from the other side and your quarterback doesn't even have the or is looking to the opposite side and then it comes late like it just felt like a not to put it all on purdy it felt like right. kind of shanahan was out coached a lot of players were not prepared for what they were seeing it wasn't something that they could be prepared for and uh, and then the way that he reacted was like, no, let's not move on to the next play. Oh, let's make something happen. <laughs> and then yeah. it turns out bad. Which yeah. he's gotten away with at times right. this year, I think. Like that throw, the, again, the, that particular throw across his body to Kittle. I've seen him do that this year right. and get, it gets caught. Um, I don't hold him. I'm sorry. I just wanted to respond yeah. to this too. I don't hold him as accountable for that. Like, I think you're right. It's a bad throw. But that felt like. I don't know, six out of 10, seven out of 10 times. That's an incomplete pass. Like he threw into tight coverage. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as the like red zone one where it seemed like Hamilton was in six, like had a half, but they didn't attack him in any way. <laughs> so like Kittle's running a five yard out, the receiver's running it in. So there's nothing to threaten him. So he essentially becomes free. And Purdy is like, there was no real disguise. He just, yeah. Yeah, it's like a double there post. Was no, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just like there's no explanation. Bad, there's no bad pressure. throw. Yeah. yeah, it's a terrible throw. Whereas these other ones are like, all right, it's not an awful decision. Yeah, I, I, like look, I don't. I'm not. I, someone is going to say, "Oh, Brock Purdy's a one read quarterback," and if the one's yeah. read not there, so I don't believe that. However, you, your best chance of going up against him is taking it with the first read. Obviously, that's true of any quarterback, but it's especially true of a Niners offense that usually is a is a buzzsaw with that first read. You saw that time to this game too, by the way. Um, I think the, the, the Ravens just did a fantastic job of making him think, making him feel the heat winning up front. Like and we're talking, I'm talking about scheme and like the Sims and stuff. Guys were winning too. I think that's the other important thing to stress about this Ravens defensive performance. Like the pass rushers, Matabike, Javon Clowney, they were just winning yep. their matchups. And then when the Niners did get the ball out, they were tackling. <laughs> they were, you know, like, they, I mean, how many times I said this to you, like there, there were so many plays like a little screen or a toss, which the Niners love to do where we've seen other defenses give up seven, eight, nine. And the Ravens just weren't, yeah. they were, they, they, they played with a level of physicality. I don't think we've seen this Ravens maybe against the Browns this Niners often, eh, pardon me, Macy at my teams. We haven't seen this Niners offense face. Um, and I think that, again, when we think about like, what do we take away from this game? Because it's always hard. Whenever you have a game where there's multiple turnovers, mm -hmm. to your point, it's hard to know what to take away because it completely throws game script. Like, game script is so crazy. You know, they're playing from behind. Fl turnovers can be fluky. It can really make things a little bit muddy. But I do think if there's something to take away from this game, it's that all the disguise was extremely effective against Brock Purdy. And that they played with a level of physicality and speed that I think is that that's going to translate no matter what. So the physicality jumped out to me. And I think I might've mentioned this. There's two things that I mentioned in you and texting last night that I want to make sure we get to is the physicality you mentioned. It wasn't even, as we both already talked about, they didn't stop the run, but they made the 49ers pay. And I, it's my weird anecdotal observation watching the game was like the 49ers beat up people and treat, a bunch of other people like they are the bully 
And it was just noticeable in the course of this game that there was a level of respect that either they had for the for the Ravens walking in from watching yeah. film or the Ravens forced them to have in that game that I think impacted the play calling. And Kyle Shanahan, we noticed he turtled up as far as play calling was concerned. He went to like what he trusts most is short passes to Debo and short passes. And that played to me played into the Ravens athleticism, the hands of their athletic team. Another thing that I think I texted you that I wanted to get to was the Ravens defense has just as many guys on it as the 49ers offense. And it's rare. They have just as many really special, um, impressive, unique players in Kyle Hamilton. Uh, we'll see about the injury, but Kyle Hamilton is chief among those players as being unique and able to make plays. So a lot of what the 49ers, I think we talked about this like early in the season, week one or two, you and I talked about a lot of what the 49ers do is not necessarily scheme up to get somebody wide open as much as they scheme up to get you isolated and you have to make a tackle. And their special players are special enough that if they get you in a one-on-one in open field with Debo five times, he's going to make three big plays out of it. And, this time he only made two big plays, yeah. Out, <laughs> which is enough, which is enough to win if you're the Ravens because the guys that they had out there are good too. I don't think I've ever seen a human bounce off of another human the way Debo did after that. That Humphrey hit, it sounded like a field goal being doinked or something. It was so loud. I was like, oh, geez. And he kept going. I'm Marlon Humphrey. I'm just like, dude, what, I don't know what, what do you want me to do? He played amazing in this game. He was super physical. I mean, he's a very physical corner, but yeah, I think that's, that, that is, they have a lot of players who are smart, well-coached and play with a tremendous physicality and speed. They match up pretty well with this team. Again, I think the turnover, like, you know, that's probably not going to happen again. And I, to your point, like I could see a game where the Niners um, do lean more into the run game and do have success. And um, it doesn't look like it did yesterday, but I, I don't want to take away from the fact that I think this Ravens defense still matches up well with them in the past, which nobody does. No one does. So that's tremendous. They also, however, have, have a quarterback who's a game breaker to quote Cam Newton vindicated uh uh but he that's just we joke but it is the perfect word when you watch him when you watched him yesterday he started off rough there was accuracy issues um i think the the niners rush affected him early on but not you know after those first couple of drives um you saw really what you've seen all year, which is, I would say, the trait of Lamar's that really jumps out watching him this season is how he responds to pressure. Yeah. The, I mean, it's, I've talked about it a lot. The, you know, both inside and outside. I think it's it, in this particular game, I would say. So actually, I want to make sure I get this right. Nick Bosa had a quote that I thought was interesting after the game. I don't know if you saw this. He mm -hmm. said, uh, Jackson hung in the pocket less than he has all season, and that caught the Niners off guard. And rewatching it, I see, I kind of see what he's uh, saying, really? Dominique. Yeah, because yeah. so this season, a lot of Lamar's amazing plays have been evading pressure inside the pocket and making crazy throws or scrambling. This play was this game, rather. Um, there were a few times where I did notice he broke the pocket a little bit earlier and then made crazy throws on the run. And I think that probably is what, like, I, I think the Niners defensive line probably went to this game with like a pretty explicit plan in terms of like containing him um, and knowing that he wanted to stay in the pocket. And I think it makes sense that they were a little bit taken surprise, surprised by that. Um, but that said, like, I don't know how you game plan for some of those throws he's made, he made on the run in this game in particular, just the angles of them. It, it, it yeah, just, I mean, it was indefensible. It was a, a, an MVP performance, not in that the numbers were astronomical, but it was clear that there was only one person or only a couple people in the, in the league that can make some of the plays that, that he made. So I'm not sure. I can tell you that Mike McDaniel had them ready or Mike McDonald had them ready on defense. I can tell you that. I'm not sure how well Todd Munkin game planned or not, because it didn't seem as if there were like people running wide open, uh, 
but it they did have a lot of success. They struggled in the red zone early, but they had a lot of success. And if you look back on the successful plays, there were a lot because Lamar did something yeah. special. And of course, I mentioned his accuracy issues. He had, he missed some open people here and there also in the course of the game, especially early on. But what I saw from I'm surprised to hear you say that Bosa said that because I've always been surprised at how, and you and I talked about this all the way back to when he was coming in the league. He wants to be in the pocket. He's not yeah. someone who is in a rush to get out of the pocket. So maybe he, I mean, not maybe, I'm sure he's watched more film than me and came to expect something different, but I wasn't expecting Lamar to try to, run i was expecting to do what it feels like he does every week sorry go ahead. he's running the throw yeah which it and seems I, like that's not new this season to me uh, it's not new yeah i thought in this game in this season generally he has actually looked better throwing on the run yeah. than he has in the past it's weird because you think lamar jackson you think crazy magician plays yeah. i'm sure his number is outside actually in the last few years his numbers throwing on the run are not that amazing he's m always been much better throwing from inside the pocket right. which as we just talked about he's always been a pocket passer going back to college uh but this season i have felt like and like watching him had looked it up uh whether he's scrambling or whether it's by design he has looked more accurate to me throwing on the run and that was really the case in this game outside the tackle box uh six for eight for 97 yards 154 passer rating uh, which is just under perfect and um, I, I, I really thought, again, like he looked really accurate throwing on the move, which I mean, does so many things well, but right. that is um, caused this problems was... for the Niners in the past when guys extend plays, uh, mobile quarterbacks, not just using their legs, but I think, um, you know, sustaining coverage against that and his ability to do so in this game was one of the several things that proved to be the difference on offense. This was kind of the promise of Lamar, not in a, a astronomical game breaking blow out a team, but like when you don't have answers or first of all, him being there makes everybody's job a little bit easier to some degree uh, in that the 49ers strength is to be able to cut their guys loose and rush the passer. And to your point, a lot of teams don't do that against Lamar because they're afraid of. Him. So that makes it easier for their O-line. And then when they do get pressure, he moved in the pocket with athleticism and bought time to break down the coverage. And it's not as if he didn't have good runs also like design runs in that one really long yeah. scramble. So it, it made it quite clear that, I hate to keep falling back on the like generic MVP conversation, but I don't know how else to put it when you're watching that game and you're like, all right, there's, there's like a, there's a slight advantage on one of these teams and it's not like mind blowing, but it's like, Oh, every time you need something, it's not because you called a special play. Yeah. It's, right. it's because this, you, you have a special breaker. player, right? Yeah. You have the game breaker. Shout out cool. to, to cam. It re I mean, uh, Derek Klassen who's come on this show a few times had a piece in the 33rd team website about why Lamar Jackson is his MVP and made a lot of interesting points in it. One of which is his season really can't be defined statistically. Yeah. And I, this game, I mean, he was, his stats are better in this game, obviously than birdies, but it really is an example of like, to me, his season rather is an example of like how difficult it is to quantify quarterback play. And, you know, I've, I've, I didn't, I, you know, I am not really like looking to do the pretty MVP thing on this podcast week no. after week, but you know, I, I, the Niners offense to me predating Purdy has always been a good example of like a Kyle Shanahan offense, like how statistically you really can't put all this on the quarterback when you watch them. And I think Lamar is truly the inverse of that where when, like you really have to just watch the games to understand the, the way he impacts defenses, right. Dominique. I mean, God, yeah. the way guys like when when guys are open on TV, you don't always understand why. Mm -hmm. On tape, you see it's because of Lamar Jackson. It's because <laughs> of his gravity. I mean, no, I'm, I'm you know, it's just. I'm not laughing because I disagree. I'm laughing yeah. because it's outrageous and it makes sense. And we don't have a stat that <laughs> that accounts for how open you make guys or uh, how how you conflict defenses just by breaking the huddle. Your mere existence makes it harder for everyone on the defense and makes it easier for everyone 
on your side. I will say to the game breaker conversation, he also feels like he has the managing under control too. Yes. <laughs> like he, he seems to, it's a hard balance when you have the ability to make magic every time. And it's the Josh Allen conversation. You have the ability to, to never be out of a play. It's hard to be able to decide, oh, this is the time when I'm going to do it. That's about managing the game. And he seems seemingly does that better this year also. I really love that point because I have felt that way all mo- almost all year. There's been some weird losses here and there. And, you know, he hasn't been perfect. There's been occasional fumbles. But for the most part, watching him, he looks to be in complete control of the offense in a way that I think maybe is different from his MVP season where it was like, oh, my God, the league just doesn't know how to stop this person. He's just so unbelievably dynamic as, as a playmaker. Whereas watching him this year, it just feels like, oh, okay, like he's making the right decisions. Um, and, you know, he when he breaks the pocket to go back to the Bosa thing is so calculated. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like it's he's not. Cool. He, and I mean, for, for him, he's always had questions around him and he, and he will until I guess he balls out in the playoffs, but it doesn't feel like he's trying to prove anything. Yeah, where it does feel like at a certain point, maybe that comes with having won an MVP and it comes with having gotten the contract that he just f- feels relaxed. He's he feels like the quarterback, the field general, the point guard that is completely under control, knows what he needs at any given moment. And it's nice to see. I, I, I that's another really good point about like it doesn't feel like he's trying to prove because I think there have been points in his career. There, yeah. There's been games where I'm like, you're trying to stay in the pocket. You're trying to stay in the pocket. Yeah. Like, just go. Come on, dude, go. <laughs> And to the Bosa quote about him breaking the pocket earlier in this game to mess with them, like I do feel like this year, like he is so good at taking what defenses give him Hmm. and bending their rules and making the right calls, not just in terms of like who he's throwing to, but when he breaks the pocket, um, when he steps up, when he runs, all of it feels, you're just watching a quarterback who's like in complete control. And it makes sense because he's a veteran now, right? Like he's, I mean, he's still so young too. That's the crazy thing. Like he's still a pretty young player. What is like 26 or something, but it makes sense that as his career would go on, he would get better in mental ways that I think are um, very much manifesting themselves this season. So last question before we move on from this game, these two teams play again, let's say it's a Super Bowl. Do you feel like, I mean, it changed, like, do you think it would play out? I think, it, I'll say what I think. I think it would play out very differently. I don't think the Ravens would beat them down. I don't think, because just because of the turnovers, um, I think it would be a lot closer. However, um, I think the Ravens match up better with them than I thought ahead of this game, just for the reasons we talked about at the beginning, especially with regards to that defense, and then seeing what Lamar did on offense. Okay. I would probably pick the Ravens. Yeah, um, I want to say that I picked the Ravens so that would give me some credit or credibility, but I had no confidence, guys. <laughs> I picked the Ravens, and I don't think I feel that much more confident that I know which way the Super Bowl will go. Uh, health. <laughs> yeah, right. Health. See what Kyle Hamilton, see Trent yeah. Williams, all yeah. that stuff is going to be. Right, yeah. so like, it's hard to project what it's going to be like, but um, if either, if both teams are healthy and they have a, a Super Bowl rematch, uh, and also this season rematch, then who knows? It'll be fun to watch, but unfortunately, um, I don't have to bet on it or my li- livelihood is not riding on it because I, I don't feel all that confident either way. But I think the by and large, if there's no like glaring, incredible weakness, you go with a better quarterback. So that was my rationale for picking the Ravens, and that would be my rationale, I think, going to the Super Bowl also. Can I say this though? Five turnovers. I think uh, I looked up the stat this morning, and it's you average um, margin of victory is twenty-one points with five turnovers, five five to zero, which is what they had last night, and it was not nearly that ugly. Which speaks to the red zone, the early red zone play, and also I think garbage time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. garbage time stuff. And the Ravens were to to the point that I made earlier. Um, Lamar was managing the game. Like, all right. We all need yes. this. Yes. Yeah. Well played. All right. Let's take a quick break. Come back and, and quickly hit some winners and losers. Wolves. Winners and wolves. Yes. No losers. No one loses. They just wolf. 
Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, it's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, I will go first with my winner, um, the Miami Dolphins. This game, the the Dolphins-Cowboys game was very funny to me because uh, the whole, I don't know if you felt this way, but my immediate reaction afterwards was, huh, don't know what first take's going to do with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Is my brain broken that that's where my brain, that my head went? Because I was like, Uh, I don't think, neither side was embarrassed. Like, you know, I mean, Dallas wasn't embarrassed. Miami played well, but it wasn't like a beatdown. Like, these are just two really good football teams. Uh, I mean, and it ended in a way that it's hard to knock because the the real, like, what you're really thinking is, hmm, can Stephen A make a laugh video off of this Not one? Really. It's like, no, nah, you, you can't really chuckle off of this one. It's a good hard fought game win or um road game against uh, a playoff bound division leading opponent. Um the the one thing that you could come out of this and I mean talk about is the 40, excuse me, the Cowboys defense, while they played a lot better than they had in the Bills game, they still had trouble stopping the run at the most critical time and they're, they're not a big physical bunch. And that's just, it's just going to be one of the, one of the heels of that team. No one's perfect. And that's their issue. Conversely. And this is why Miami's winner for me, they could run the ball at a critical time. They, 
I think this was a good referendum game for the difference between this Miami team versus last year mm-hmm. when they were like fireworks, lights, but yeah. it was a little shallow and the defense obviously was pretty flawed. Um, this was just like a very complete balanced win. Uh, Tua was excellent on the last drive. The run game was there when they need it. They were able to hit guys other than Tyree Kill when Jalen Waddle got hurt, you know, the tight ends, you know, whatever, like the, um, and then defensively. So before this season, I was really hot hyping up the Miami defense because they, yeah. you know, they bring in Vic Fangio, they make these additions in free agency. They were, they finished strong last year, but the first half of the season was really quite underwhelming. And there were a number of reasons for that. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with, some injuries, obviously you lose Ramsey right away. Guys were banged up, but I also think, you know, with a complete change in defensive philosophy, naturally, and, and the complexity of the Vic Fangio right. defense, yeah. it would take some time. Well, the time is now and they look great. I mean, this is I, watching them against Dallas in particular. I thought, oh, this is the defense we thought they would be. They can get after it with four um, when they rushed. Uh, Dak Prescott without blitzing him they pressured him over 40% of the time with just four which again is really impressive considering they lost Jalen Phillips but Bradley Chubb's been on a tear Van Ginkle kind of went crazy in this game the tackles were really good they uh, so to go again back to the big banjo they were able to stop the run with light boxes which is uh, one of his calling cards um, and then they, you know, they, there was some, I think, consternation after the first big CD play. Oh, should you put Ramsey on him? You know, they were mostly zoning him off. They played a lot of cover six in this game and had the safety help. But I actually think over the course of the game, the approach proved to be correct. So top to bottom, just like a very mature, impressive performance from this defense and overall a very mature, impressive performance from the team. So the f- the Ramsey moving idea is one like I I get it in concept. Um, you want to move your best corner to be against their best receiver or at least be in the vicinity. But the Fangio and like cover four base teams is like I played a lot of my career in that. And we've talked about this before. My As a third round draft pick rookie, I was playing opposite champ and they wouldn't send champ to follow the best receivers like come on guys you should but it's because the in that situation it's because those positions are a lot about reps and you are going to run coverages that the team is ultimately going to know what you're in and it's about responding to the route combinations and it's a it's a thinking man's defense and so if you ask someone who's a corner and Ramsey did this in LA so that maybe he's possibly, maybe possibly he could do that. But if you ask a corner who's outside to pay outside 10 snaps, when he sees the combinations, like he sees a smash concept, which is like a hitch with a corner on the inside, you call smash the flat defender runs to it. You get underneath the corner route. You do it 10 times. You're going to be better at it rather than if you do it a couple of times. And then in order to trick the defense, you're going to go inside and play the, the, the flat defender from the nickel position, and then you're slow to get out there. You don't respond as quickly, or they put you at safety. So sorry to go on this little rambling thing, but I think it's important to point out that it's not obvious. It seems obvious. You got a good player, put your good player on their good player. But that is not necessarily what's best for your team or for that player, putting them out of position. Yeah, they... um, I, like, did, did... I should go back, but it felt like after the first big play, they pretty much had it under control. I don't know. I Yeah, I, I mean, I think overall, I don't remember every single play, but I think yeah. our, both of our feelings are right. <laughs> yeah. Like they, yeah. Well, I went back and I looked at like a couple, like uh, not a, couple, uh, a bunch of reps, the past reps where I thought where he didn't target CD and I was like, okay, what's going on with CD? And like most of the time it was cover six and CD was on the two side. So mm-hmm. they had the safety. Uh, yeah. They might've yeah. been checking. That was something that we would do also is like you, you um call the passing strength based on where Randy Moss is or where yeah. a, a player who's a threat is. So like it sometimes will reverse your coverage. You have you normally want the six side 
to the backside where there's a single player. But anyway, is where the X is. But a player like CD that can move around and play in a slot, uh, then you might call four when he's in the slot. You might call six when he's on the outside yes. or roll the coverage uh, to him. So, yeah, I, I think that's a lot smarter to get a better coverage rather than having Jalen run around and chase him. Especially with Dak Prescott, too, where yeah. I think if they had had Jalen on him, he would have taken that matchup a fair amount of times. I mean, I, I, Jalen Ramsey's a great player, but at this point, one-on-one, I'd take Lamb, you know? I mean, yeah. I especially on crossers and all the ways the that point, they use him. Yeah. The point of the like a lot of the four based stuff, which is like four, six, two, like you're never really going to be in man coverage. There's sometimes four turns into man, but it's like, why run him from side to side and run him all over? If in actuality, you're going to be playing right route combinations anyway. And he's not always going to be uh, locked up on him. Like if you have a, if he's outside and he runs vertical, then it kind of becomes man. As long as the number two occupies the safety, but, Outside of that, you're going to if he goes in right away, you're passing him. If he goes out right away, you're passing him. If the number two eliminates itself, you get a natural double from the inside. We don't need Ramsey to do that. Hmm. Well. Let's just wrap here on the Miami defense. Like, do you watching them? Do you feel like real like the Ravens are the best team in the NFL? Right. Would I be wrong, though, in saying the Dolphins are the second most balanced in the AFC? or maybe in both conferences yeah. absent the 49ers. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're wrong. I think it gets down to playoff time, being able to play good defense and running the ball is always a good, uh, I don't know if it's a crutch or an emergency switch or a safety yeah. blanket, probably a safety blanket. Like those type of teams normally don't get blown out and doesn't mean they're going to win, but it's a good thing to have. And they have both of those things right now. So they also have the ability to, to uh fall apart because <laughs> the o-line is not great and we just saw him lose to the titans so i'm not trying yeah, to feel like uh, I, I might be a little bit prisoner of the moment but uh, yeah the o-line is continues to be an issue wasn't an, an issue for a good amount of this game though but there's right that's the whole other thing with uh how that they they approach dallas um okay let's really quickly through the woofs i will go first chiefs uh. We don't really need to get into There's a lot of things. Obviously, we've already talked about what really struck me in this game, Dominique, and some of this some of this was game script related, but a lot of it wasn't. They could not run the ball for anything to save their lives. And I looked it up. I posted the numbers. The EPA per play and success rate were astoundingly bad. Checo, I mean, it was like he had like a twenty percent success rate. EPA per play was like negative point. This is just the backs, not the Mahomes runs, which is like the only effective thing they could do. Um, the Pacheco runs were like negative point seven something. So Patrick Mahomes, since twenty eighteen, ninety four games, that is ninety fourth in EPA per play in terms of rushing performances by Chiefs backs, ninety third in success rate, and. They were in just so many bad down and distance situations because of it. I, 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 the offensive line just got zero push. They were getting demolished at the line of scrimmage. That's just, I mean, there's a, again, we've, I, I'm, I'm focusing on that because we've talked about so much about the pass catchers and there's no explosives yeah. and all that. But it's like, if you're not explosive, we saw they weren't explosive last year, but they could dink and dunk and run the ball. They, this to me was like, oh, you can't do anything. <laughs> you can't They're getting worse. Nothing. They're getting worse. We've been talking about how um, they they're going early in the season. They're going to get it together offensively. Maybe they can get it together offensively. Oh, their receivers are a, a problem. That's not coming around. It's going to have to be Kelsey and running the ball. And now they have the worst performance yet. Like they're getting worse at at the most important time. And all of us are afraid to like count Patrick Mahomes all the way out because their defense has some ability and it's still Patrick Mahomes. But we gotta be honest. This is <laughs> not good. Like and and they know they're not good, or at least they are desperate. Like all the trick plays and that yeah, that like it just seems like against the Raiders, it seems like something that if you're trying to pull an upset. You pull out all this foolishness. They're like, we don't know. We don't have the answers. We don't know what it is. And Patrick's out there pressing. It's just bad. He uh, yeah. He's not play well, but Kelsey he, slamming helmets. It's a, 
It's a bad look out there. Yeah, it's the vibes are extremely bad in Kansas City. Um, okay, what? Who's your wolf? Uh, the Bengals is my wolf. Mm. Um, yeah, they had been one of the many feel-good backup quarterback stories that we had so far this season. We gave up on them multiple times this year. We gave up on them when their quarterback got hurt in training camp. We gave up on them when uh, he came back and got hurt again. And then we gave up on them when Browning was bad. Then Browning's good all of a sudden. And they're back in the race. And now, like, we know what it is. Like that party thing happened once. And maybe you guys could get, uh, now this is not fair to put it all on, Jake Browning. Maybe he has the potential. I know he's your guy from from Washington. Maybe he'll turn into something, but we can't have expected a whole lot out of him, especially without the support of a defense that has been kind of non-existent all season. So they're a big wolf for me because I think it's over for them. It's finally, truly over for them. I saw a tweet. I think it might have been during this game that every backup has like max three (laughs) good games. And then the the insanity run ends. Uh, There's an exception to that. Joseph Vincent Flacco, because we've seen him do it before. I was like, I was watching him just absolutely light it up. He was so good this weekend and uh, he could have been my winner, but you know, I just talked enough. Raiders could have been winners too, or at least Antonio Pierce. So yes, yes. What a, what a yes. But I'm watching Flacco and I'm like, God, what a heater he's on. Who does this remind me of? It reminds me of Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco reminds me of Joe Flacco. He's yeah. recreating history, baby. I, I, yeah. I, I'm so all in on yeah. that whole situation. But as, oh, when they play as, each other, it's going to be great in the playoffs. Oh, it's going to be great when the Browns have to come to Baltimore and the fans are. I mean, you got to applaud Joe Flacco when he walks in the building and then boom through the course of the game. You got to right. And well, and Lamar took his job and it was oh. kind of weird and it he was, was a little surly about it. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, they beat them this season. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on, on the Flacco sense or whatever you want to call it. But it is funny to me that like Flacco was literally doing a Flacco um, for those who forgot oh, the, his I'm, epic Super Bowl run. I'm sorry to even put this in the atmosphere, but what if Joe Flacco and the Browns come in? To MNT Bank. Never mind. I don't even want to talk about it. I cannot okay. listen to the takes the who, following <laughs> week. Who is who is more? This is a very first takey question. Let's do it. Who is the team that nobody wants to play? The Browns uh-huh. or the Rams? Because it's got to be a wild card team. Obviously, you can't be a division winner. The team that nobody wants to play isn't is an underdog. Which of those teams is more the team you don't want to play of those two? Because I think those are the two in each conference you would probably. Yeah. So the question is, is the Browns defense better than the fear of Matt Stafford and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup? And Kyrie Because, yeah, I think, I guess it has to be the Browns because I don't oh Flacco has the infinity star right now. (laughs) Because I I forgot for a second about Aaron Donald. I was just thinking that the Rams, the the Browns offense has a chance to be really good. The Rams defense, I don't feel has that same chance. So I'm thinking if we are going to go ahead and say that the Browns defense is more of an asset than the Rams offense, then the chance, but then Joe Flacco can also give the game away. I don't know. He can. I think yeah. I think I'd I think I'd rather play I think I'd rather play the Rams than play the Browns. Just because Miles Garrett, I, I yeah. don't need that in my that life. Defense. Yeah, yeah. that the defense getting forced turnovers. Yeah. And you, you might just run into a Flacco yeah. blackout game, which is what we've been seeing. So yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question. Uh it obviously depends on matchups and who you are, but I kind of agree. I think it might be the Browns. I don't want to. I would not want to play that team. I would not want to <laughs> play. Also, Joe Flacco. He he plays like he's thirty eight and he's playing with house money, which he literally right. is. He has all the money, and he's just <laughs> out there being like he is throwing it like eff it. It is it is something I mean, to behold. This is another reminder of how bad the Jets were because Joe Flacco looked completely washed 
or the Jets. True. <laughs> that's what's yeah. so weird about it. And that's why it might it might run out at any moment, but Flacco's doing a Flacco. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, who's your winner? Uh, my winner is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. I mean, they got a win. It, was, it wasn't pretty. They almost gave it away. I know that they're probably Patriot fans who are not happy with them getting this win because I think right now that bumps them out of yeah. uh, contention for the top two picks. But as someone who generally hates tanking, I'm glad that they won. And maybe that's going to preserve uh, old Bill Belichick's job. Don't nobody want to come play coach there anymore. I want Bill to stay forever. Or he robs them of a quarterback on the way out. <laughs> Equally Belichickian. Uh, which turned out well for Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's, true. You're not gonna it's get a good bump. reminder. You never know. Right. You just don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah. I feel like it's over regardless yeah. of, and yeah, if I was right. a Patriots fan, I wouldn't be thrilled, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, I've never been like, obviously I, football became like a job for me very early in my life. So I've never been like a super fan type. So I don't know what this feeling is to want your team to win. I've always wanted my team or to want your team to lose. I've always wanted my team to win. So uh, imagining, Patriots fans being excited about Russell putting together a late game comeback that then falls short. At least Bill Belichick can go look at uh, Pete Carroll, the other, or not Pete Carroll. Um, what's his name? The guy, the coach over there. There's a lot of old coaches this year that aren't doing so hot. Um, oh, Sean Payton, you're talking about in Denver? Payton. Yeah, he can go at the AARP coaches reunion. He can go and turn his nose up at uh, Sean Payton because he's better than him. Who would you want to coach if, if you're Bill Belichick? The Chargers? The Panthers? Nope, not them. The Commanders? Who? Nope. I mean, who? He's trying to get, he's, he's going to need three or four more years to get the record. Best chance of getting those wins soon are with a quarterback. So it seems obvious that you want to go to the Chargers. Although that is still a rebuild program. It's a rebuild with the most difficult piece already found. So the I think I would rank it uh, Chargers, Washington, and Panthers, I guess. Right? Panthers got a big win. Or no, it wasn't a big win. No, it was a moral no, victory. No. They were so close to being a winner. We would have had to make them winners if they won. I know, I would have. All right, Dominique, um, you're a winner in my book. Thank you. For, I feel like I've said that a million times every time we close. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining. You guys can check out his podcast, The Dominique Foxer Show. I will be on, I think, this week. I don't know. I hope so. We'll usually see. on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, check this out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Mina Kimes. Full YouTube episode is there as well as some original content. Otherwise, I will be back later this week. 